Shannon Salvestro, and this is the second part of my discussion with speech pathologist Jane Beard. If you didn't hear the first part, I suggest you stop listening now and go back to part one as we started our conversation discussing oral language. It was really insightful listening to Jane's explanation of the importance of oral language for children's reading and writing development. We continue the chat now where we left off. Can we move on to yeah. talking about uh, phonemic awareness, phonological awareness and phonics? Yes. I, I just... I, I, I love hear, this topic. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it's one of those things I, I hear people say some of the, you know, mm. the terminology and I think sometimes the terms are used, particularly phonemic awareness and phonological awareness, interchangeably. Yes. And phonics to some extent. But yes. they're, they're actually quite different mm. things that, that all re- link and relate, yes. I guess. But yeah. would... Can we start perhaps with a, a bit of a, you know, an understanding yeah. of what the difference between each sure. of those terms is? Yeah. So, well, and that's yeah. a really good thing to, mm. to start with because, like I said, I was doing this 25 years ago. And what was really interesting back then is it started being talked about as phonological awareness. Uh-huh. That was the way it was described. And every now and then someone would say, oh, you mean phonemic awareness. So phonological awareness and phonemic awareness definitely were used interchangeably in the 90s and people would go is that the same and people would generally go oh yeah it's the same thing Mm. but there was definitely where I was in South Australia working in schools there was definitely a leaning towards phonological awareness being the term Mm. but this is how I understand the difference so it'd be interesting to see if if it's where you've come from as well Mm -hmm. so phono we know means sound. sound yeah and phonological awareness, we're looking at awareness of sound rules or sound properties. Phonemic, if we break it down, we've got phoneme. And a phoneme is the smallest unit of sound. So k is one phoneme, a mm. k sound. Whereas ka is two phonemes, a k and an ah. And cart is three phonemes, k. Art. So when we talk about phonemic awareness, if we really want to be strict on using that term phoneme, the way I see it is phonemic awareness should be at the sound level. Mm. So if we take the word white, and people listening can think about it, don't think about letters, how many phonemes in white? We've got w, i, three phonemes in white so phonemic awareness is being able to hear that word white and count the smallest units of sound which are the phonemes phonemic awareness means you can think about the word white and not try to say it has five sounds because if you said five sounds you're thinking of five letters w-h-i-t-e before we go on to look at the difference between sound and letters Let's go back to phonological awareness. Mm -hmm. When we want children or adults to think about sounds in words and awareness, it's not only phonemes. In fact, before we look at phonemes, there are a number of things we should get children to look at, and a really key one is syllables. Mm. So in the word caterpillar, if we were talking about phonemic awareness, we would be going k, a, t, a, p, i, u, u. But actually... 
it there are rules or sounds to be aware of in caterpillar and that is the phonological basis of it we can hear the four beats or the four syllables caterpillar mm. so i would say phonological awareness is looking at all the different things and all the different ways you can manipulate and break up our spoken language like the sentence let's go to the shop or i will go to the shop phonological awareness would say how many words in that sentence mm. Whereas you wouldn't use phonemic awareness to say how many words in that sentence. Mm. So is that where you would yeah, have come from? Yeah, or no, is that a new a, way that, of having oh, it described? That was a great um, mm. explanation, actually. And it made me think, you know, in that progression of development, is it important, do you think, to be hearing for before you start, start to really be sensitised to that smallest phoneme. unit mm. of sound, the phoneme, to, to be, be hearing... How many words yes. in a sentence, or or the parts of a word? Yes, Does I it also yeah, yeah. Um, include things like being, you know, listening to words that rhyme yes. or onset and rhyme. Yeah, and exactly. Yeah. So I'm glad you yeah. brought that up because yeah. when we come at it from a speech pathology perspective, mm. and I think it would overlap with teachers, mm. we definitely start at syllable segmentation and blending mm. and that is the easiest thing mm. and that would go back to three and four year olds so preschools getting people in preschools to get children to break up into a syllable level mm -hmm. with rhyme rhyme is a phonological awareness not mm. a phoneme because mm. you're right it's an onset and a rhyme and a rhyme is more than one phoneme isn't it mm. so if we're looking at words that rhyme say with own bone phone then it's the own. Mm. And children don't need to be able to hear the individual phonemes. They just mm. need to hear that, that group. Um, with rhyme, when I'm working with people to understand the role of rhyme, if you say to a child, do these end the same or sound the same, it becomes quite a high-level language task because you need to understand the concept of end. Mm. So think of rhyme as a sensitivity. And the first thing that a child should do is not be able to tell you if a word rhymes or not or produce a rhyme, like tell me a word that rhymes with bone. They should just react with a sensitivity so that if I say bone, phone, hone, tone, there's just some enjoyment of it. And then when you read a book and you have rhymes, the cat went up the tree and then he saw a bee, mm -hmm. like at any age that resonates with us. Mm. And so the earliest phonological awareness that we would like children to have, the earliest skill, is a mm. sensitivity to rhyme. Mm. And we find that sometimes it pops out. Jack and Jill went up the hill and it kind of pops out because of that sensitivity. Mm. From there, with rhyme, then we just want children to be able to say like if, they write, if they're both the same or not. And so they're not having to think of it. They're not having to break it down. They're just almost like matching. Mm. So if I said cup, pup, car, which mm. are the two that are the same? So that matching. Mm. And those skills come before we say to them, um, cow, horse, do they rhyme? Mm. Mm. Notice how I use two animals because linguistically mm. they might go cow, horse, okay. there's something together, they're mm. both animals. The answer is yes. Mm. And mm. I want them to be able to go, no, I'm talking about the ending. Horse, course, do they rhyme? Mm. And then the hardest of those skills is if I say, watch, tell me a word that rhymes with watch. They've now got to think of one. Rhyme. Mm. 
But sometimes people will go, let's work on rhyme, and they straight away say, car, tell me a word that rhymes with car. And they've come in at the highest uh, level. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so, yeah. so phonological awareness, early things would be breaking words into syllables, mm. hearing syllables and being able to blend them. So if I said um, cat, uh, peeled, uh, mm. can you go, that's caterpillar. Mm. And kids can't do it. Mm. It's really weird when you do that. But to fly what does that make bag because mm. they can't hear the parts and squish parts them and, yeah so it sounds yeah. obvious but always start with your syllables can mm. you mm. segment and blend and then also um you know with the sentences say a little sentence let's go to the shop and can they like jump an animal for each mm. word and it shows that they're just starting to get a phonological awareness Phonemic awareness is actually probably not really till school entry for some kids. Yeah, yeah. You could work on it a bit before. The earliest phonemic awareness skill that children have is isolating off the first sound because mm, it's mm. so it's sonorant a, or in your face, mm, you can hear it's, it. It's, it's the easiest. It's the easiest, yeah. Isolates. So what does shoe start with? And being able to hear that first sound but stop it, shh, and not going shoe. Mm. So I would probably say children coming to school, we'd want them to have awareness at a syllable level, mm. being able to blend and segment syllables, and sensitivity to rhyme and enjoyment of rhyme, mm. and then being able to identify initial sounds. Mm. If they could come with those skills, great. Mm. But, you know, phonemic awareness, often people will jump straight into segmenting and blending. So for cat, they want to be able to go k at. Or if I said to you, what does w-i-t make when you blend it mm. white that's really quite a few steps up mm. Mm. with phonemic awareness we we're talking about what's the difference mm. we we know that children need phonemic awareness before they can go on to their reading and spelling mm -hmm. so yes it's got to come in early but when we're talking about getting ready for school i think it's good for people to think about phonological awareness mm. Mm. and th those other steps mm. But if someone just calls the whole thing phonemic awareness, which is probably what the layperson's term is these days, mm. as long as they're doing all those different so, skills, yes. it's probably okay. Yeah. But that's how I define the difference. And it's really important to be talking about all of those skills are happening orally. So we haven't, it's all oral, we yeah. haven't written anything no. down, we haven't shown any print. In fact, it's that's better all, to not show all, print. It would all be not, because yeah. it's all getting them to sensitise in on what they're hearing, whether yes. it be... Breaking into parts. Syllables mm. or rhyming or once yes. you're talking about those individual phonemes, yes. it's all about hearing first. That's right. Mm. And and mm. if we wanted to sort of give a definition of phonemic awareness, mm. it's a child being able to say this word is made up of parts and mm. not just hearing it as a whole. Mm. Mm. And at first, children hear words as a whole. So that if they mm. if we say the word plate, they just hear blah. Like if I said to you, break up blah into parts, you're like, well, what is that? That's just a sound or break up that sound into parts. You can't, it's just a sound. Mm. And at first children just hear a sound because to understand the word, they don't have to analyse it. Mm. Mm. Um, but we need them to be able to hear plate and then realise plate, and we might say it slowly, plate. Oh, now I can hear those little bits. Mm. it's just being able to mm. hear that mm. and once you're taught that explicitly most kids will just go got it 
So then you could say pitch, and they can just go pitch, p, itch. Got it, three sounds. Mm. But you have to be taught that. Mm. Mm. It doesn't happen developmentally. Doesn't happen. Yeah, mm. okay. Yeah. So we sort of have to have that awareness, I guess, be sensitised to the sounds before then you start introducing um, you know, that relationship between letters, letters and sounds. Yes, that's right. Um, yeah, so the other word that people hear bandied around is phonic. But really, phonics, it was in the curriculum in the past, it's in the curriculum now. Mm. Phonics basically means knowing that words are made up of sounds and that there's rules and patterns mm. and we have to look at that correspondence between, I've said the word plate, I've gone the sounds, I've worked them out, p l a t. I want to write that down. How do I write a p? How do I write a l? Mm. And phonics is hearing the sounds, knowing what you want to write, knowing there are letters, that letters make sounds, and then even that step further, and I like this idea of phonological awareness and then phonological rules. Mm. The idea of phonological rules is we've identified the sounds, we know our alphabet, we know the sounds the letters make, we know there's combinations. What are the rules so I can map down or encode the sounds I can hear? Mm, yeah. And really, I think learning phonics... Learning code. Learning the code, mm, yeah. Mm. And I really like the words decode mm. and encode. Mm. So when we're reading and we're using our phonemic awareness and our phonological awareness and our phonological rules, we're decoding those words. Mm-hmm. And you know what? A lot of phonemic awareness programs and a lot of phonics programs there's all this focus on decoding mm, mm. and the missing step is the encoding mm-hmm. because decoding is always the easier one decoding is the matching mm, mm. decoding is like putting different colors on the table and say, saying find me the blue one well the answer's there i can see all the colors there's the blue one encoding is the expressive or the coming up with it yourself the encoding is, what colour is that? There's no answer mm. in what I'm saying, is there? Mm. When you go to spell, you're now not matching or decoding it. Now you've got to come up with all the ideas, the sounds, what's needed yourself. Encoding is much harder. I guess it, I'm actually just um, finding a bit of a, a connection to something you said earlier when we're talking about rhyming and about mm. the difference, you know, the stage where you would say tell me a word that yes. rhymes with car was actually the last stage because yes. then you have to come up with, come that, up with it I yourself guess, yeah um, encoding i guess a bit like that it's exactly the same need yeah. to use for your your skills and your knowledge but you yes. then need to to come up with, with it's got yourself. to all be in yourself your, rather yeah. than just identifying mm. it so you've gone That's from identifying yeah. to actually producing, producing. Mm. and i think uh programs that go great we're going to be phonics based we're going to look at phonemic awareness we're going to tell them that a t makes a t and that an s and an h together makes a sh fantastic so they can read shoe because they've seen the s and the h and they've gone oh yeah it goes sh and they've seen the o and the e and one possibility is it's an oo let's check it shoe yep shoe we've read it great if i now yeah that's decoding decoding if i now say Nothing on the table, no prompts, nothing. Right, shoe. Mm. Now the child's got to go, oh, okay. Shoe. I've got to say it. I've got to identify in my mouth or on my lips. Shh. 
Now I've got to go, well, how am I going to write shh? And I've got to go backwards and think, what are the letter combinations? And, you know, that's often the missing step. Mm, mm. And if you want to get children really doing well so that they can spell, and even better, they can write sentences, you need to help them right to the point of, okay, I want to write a sentence. I went on the bus. Now I want to write the first word, I. Okay, I know that one. Went. Went. All right, I'm saying it. What are the sounds? W, e, n, t. What are the letters that will make each sound? Mm -hmm. And then you've even got handwriting. Mm -hmm. Now you've got actually physically forming it. Mm -hmm. When you were reading, there wasn't even the physical handwriting part. Mm -hmm. So we know that the spelling part, it's still working on phonemic awareness mm -hmm. and phonological rules and what we might call spelling rules. So that's where it's really complex. So we're back to where we've got all of those connections yes. again. And yeah. I guess our job as as teachers and perhaps your job as yep. a speech pathologist is helping kids to actually make all those connections, yes. to have all the, the knowledge and the skills, but to actually be able to make the connections between exactly. what they know in, in oral language and yes. what they know in reading and what they know in writing and yep. being able to... So they can get it down get on it paper. Yeah. And you're exactly right mm. about connections because, you know, that's the teacher's job. Just like we said right at the start, if the child comes in and their oral language is delayed, the teacher's job is to speak slowly, mm. repeat the instructions, mm. give time for processing, mm. teach that vocabulary. When it comes to writing... The teacher's job is to go look at all the things that child's having to do if they want to write a sentence. Mm. They've got to have the oral language to say their sentence and think it, mm. and it's got to be within their capacity to know that sentence. Then when they go to write, they've got to have the ability to move their hand with the handwriting. They've got to use phonemic awareness to identify the sounds in each word as they go, They've got to know the phonics or the, I like to call it sound letter correspondence mm, yes. and, the, and the spelling rules. They've got mm -hmm. to know those spelling rules so that when it went, it's a w, what letter's going to make w, it's a w. Mm. And then they've got to do that for each word. And then they're going to come across words that are multisyllabic mm -hmm. and there's going to be vowel sounds that um, at workshops I talk about the, the neutral vowel, schwa, up. Yes. Yep. Oh, I love a good yeah. schwa. <laughs> a good schwa. <laughs> so they're going to hear a word like um, complain. I want to complain. We don't say complain. I want to complain. Mm. If it was uh. complain, I could go, K oh, mm, yeah, I know I've got to write an O. But what do we say? I want to complain. Listen to how quick that was. I want to complain. Com, com. You can't hear an O in there. Mm. It's a schwa. Mm. Uh. Mm. Now the child's got to go, com. Okay, uh. now they've got to actually bring in memory of, I've seen that word before, or a strategy. Excuse me, miss or sir, what's the vowel in complain? Or a dictionary to look mm. it up. Mm. So look at all the connections in order to get that one sentence down. So I see the teacher's job is, when you're asking children to write sentences, think back to what's their oral language ability? What's their phonemic awareness ability? What's their sound letter correspondence and spelling knowledge? How many of the words they're going to write are automatic, like I and the, so I can just get them down? What's their ability to handwrite so that it's neat and they feel mm, satisfied mm. and engaged? 
because of all of that, only ask them to write something that's easily within their capacity. Mm. Because if every part of it's hard, the handwriting's hard, the sentence is long, being asked to learn a word I've only learnt two minutes ago, mm. um, four out of the five words I've never written before, it's no wonder they're not engaged. It's too overwhelming for them, isn't it? Mm. But what I've seen that what a teacher can do is rather than ask them to write an eight-word sentence, start with lots of three-word sentences. Mm. And maybe it's a carrier sentence, I saw. So that bit's repetition. So it's a bit like giving that permission to, I guess, break it down, yes. start with something simple so that you can build success. something complex. Yeah, start um, with success yeah. and go up in little steps. Exactly yeah. right. Don't start with where you want them to be yeah. next, but <laughs> yeah. start and yeah. build, build it up. Yes. Yeah, mm. exactly. And, you know, repetition is the way that we learn old language. Mm. Think about nursery rhymes. Isn't mm. it a shame that they've sort of been phased out? Mm. Think about mm. the little rhymes and chants that used to be commonplace. That's how children yeah. learn. Yeah. The predictable phrases, you know, we might call them a carrier phrase. Mm. And when we're speaking, they're useful. I saw a bird. I saw a car. Mm. I saw a tree. When you go to write... People might say, well, that's boring. But if that child can write, I saw a bird, I saw a car, they're only really having to have something new for that N word. They're getting something down, they're feeling success. Mm. Then they might move to changing words. But give them that step-by-step approach. Mm. Mm. Fantastic. Yeah. We've covered a lot of ground. We have. It's exciting. We, we could yes. just keep going. I actually really liked the... Um, talking about those different terms and, um, mm. you know, really talking about what they mean. But I think with the preconceived idea was that phonics equals rote learning. Phonics mm. equals boring. Mm. Phonics mm. equals children won't be engaged. But what I'd want to challenge listeners to think about if they ever either heard someone say that or thought that themselves is phonics is a basic foundation on how to crack the code. Our reading, writing and spelling system is based on an alphabetic code. There's no way around that. It is a code. And when you look at a word like bed and then look at a word like bug, the code tells you that your mouth is going to do the same thing at the start of both words, bed and bug, because you see the B, you have the phonics knowledge that a B goes B. And already your brain is going, those words start the same. There's something similar about them. I'm processing them as though they go together. If you don't have a phonics approach and you put the word beg, bed and the word bug in front of a child and bring no attention to the fact that they start the same, then you are denying that child a vital piece of information about the system that they're trying to learn. Rather mm. than think of phonics as boring... Mm and wrote think of it as step one i want you to solve these squiggles and dots here's the cheat sheet here's the code off you go like once you know that code then it opens up this whole new world that you then have access to exactly Mm. and that's why we call Mm. it decoding Mm. and encoding Mm. and it's not that simple because you need oral language to understand Mm. what you're reading Mm. and what you're writing so it's not just phonics Mm. And we also need people to be able to have handwriting. 
we need it to be interesting. If all we ever did at school was rote learning boring, mm. then people mm. wouldn't be engaged. But don't take away something at, under the sort of idea that it's boring to not teach them. It's very quick, really, if mm. you think about mm. it, to go, here's the basics. Yes. The complex thing is, this is probably a good point to finish on, mm. the complex thing is in our sounds, in our phonemic awareness, when we look at vowel sounds, we have 20 vowel sounds mm. in spoken English. Mm. But the sound letter correspondence, we only have five vowel letters to write those vowels. We have Y, which we can also bring in. Mm. But actually, we have all these combinations, don't we, and all mm. these rules and exceptions. So when children are learning to decode and encode, really the tricky bit is the spelling rules. And that take that is a bit boring and that takes some rote learning and memory and I think that's where teachers really support students with persisting. Mm. But the basics of just coming in with phonemic awareness and sound letter correspondence in those simple words like mm. can and plate and dad and just yeah, simple. Singing yeah. the sound correspondences. That's right. And that's why that's you, yeah, single when you start and then Exactly. Mm. And now we know if we get decodable readers mm. that follow that pattern. So they can practice. They what practice, they get some success. Mm. Um, it's not boring, it's not cheating, it's just getting success early on, laying your foundations so that when you do have to come to the somewhat tedious bit of why is it O W and not O U and why is there this exception, <laughs> you sort of you're already on your way. Mm, mm. So, yeah, I think phonological rules and spelling rules, they're the real tricky bit, but there's no way around that because we're learning English. Yes. And someone's created we, yes. this crazy language and spelling for us. Yeah. But phonics, phonemic awareness, sound letter correspondence, giving kids the code, that's just straightforward. Every teacher needs it. I think every teacher who I've ever seen who's been shown it and had the time to see it mm. goes wow what a great tool for mm. children yeah fantastic jane Yay. thank you so much for your your insights your level of expertise thank sharing you. with us your years yeah. of knowledge <laughs> yeah you can see i'm pretty passionate about it oh absolutely just, and I, i'm thinking mm. back to something you said, said at the start about um you know could could we see some overlaps to what we do as teachers and to yeah. what you do as a speech pathologist yeah. and I'm seeing it. You're seeing so it, yeah. I'm sure people listening um, can see the synergies as yes. well. Yeah. Fantastic. Great. Thank Thanks. you so much. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me and what a great topic to be able to talk about. We could talk about it all day. We could. We? have to come back and with another instalment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you. Great. Well, I hope you got something to take away with you from my chat with Jane. On our podcast notes, you will find some links on where you can go for some further readings on this topic and for some information on how to access our online learning modules for the effective reading in the early years of school professional learning. Also, if you have any feedback or, or any interesting ideas, just something that you would like to hear about from our literacy and numeracy team um, in the way of podcasts, please send us an email. Just send it to literacy.numeracy at det.nsw.edu.au and pop in podcast idea in the subject line. Thanks again to Jane Beale from All Areas Speech Pathology and bye for now.